Before we receive um, our tithes and offerings this morning, I just want to pause. You know, the Living Stones and the church in general, I think, uh, does, does its people a mistake when we fail to discuss what's happening on the larger arena as far as in our nation. And this church has always been a church that tries to connect the dots. And when I say connect the dots, I mean what you're hearing on the evening news. You don't hear anybody in our culture apart from what should happen in the local church that takes what's happening in our culture and analyzes it or speaks to it from a biblical perspective. And I think what happens many times is when the church fails to talk about things that are going on, all we do is continue to communicate our irrelevance uh, to the world around us. When we were dealing with religious liberty issues, this church was a leading voice. When we were dealing with marriage issues, this church was a leading voice. Let me also say, as our nation struggles with the sin of racism, this church needs to be a leading voice in condemning racism on every front, um, whether it's white racism, yellow racism, black racism, red or yellow, black and white. I mean, you know, it's ugly, it's wicked, it's demonic. Uh, and what's happening in our nation right now with the uh, anger, the hatred, the violence that's taking place, we all know that until people are united under the lordship of Jesus Christ and their hearts are changed. How many of you know we're racist by nature? There's a streak of racism that runs through every fallen human being. The tendency is to be attracted to our own. The tendency is to care for, look out for number one. The tendency is to, uh, to blame other people and blame other races for our situation or our problem. That's, that's not because uh, we choose to be a racist. That's because we're born racist. And only the blood of Jesus helps us die to, the, to those kind of desires. Only Jesus and the cross puts us all on an even level, even playing field. And I just want to say loudly and clearly, this church wants to be a picture of what heaven looks like on earth. And how many of you know heaven, heaven is a place where every nation, tongue, language, tribe, every people group will be represented. They'll all have one thing in common, one unifying force. It's their passion and love for Jesus Christ. And guess what? As living stones, and I just want to say this loudly and clearly, we are called to model that picture. So you know what? When we have David up here leading worship as an African-American and bringing out the, the passion and the, the power and the zeal and the cultural distinctives of the black culture, I'm going hallelujah, praise the Lord. When we got... Um, When we got Andrew up here making fun of his own ethnicity and talking about how he doesn't know Kung Fu and he feels ashamed, <laughs> isn't it great that we're not offended by that, or he's not offended by that, that we can just laugh at, you know, I like to laugh at my whiteness, okay? You, wouldn't, you definitely would want David leading, not me trying to get my groove on up here because I haven't found my groove yet, all right? But I'm grateful for that, that, you know, here's the two mistakes we make. We either pretend like color doesn't exist or we, we you know, we, we, hide, we, we place so much attention to it that we're worried about offending one another. You know, when we were with the Mongolians talking about all the stuff, you know, they were, they were imitating us as Americans. We were imitating them as Mongolians. We were cracking up. How I many you know when you love each other, you can laugh? And you can make fun of yourself, and it's not a big deal. 
The problem in our culture today is nobody's laughing. Everybody's so uptight and everybody takes everything so personally. But, you know, that's what the love of Jesus does. It, it, it causes us to, number one, to appreciate the differences and to embrace the differences and to reflect the kingdom of God. And so I just want to say we are so excited that Living Stones is becoming a microcosm of heaven. And we want, we want more and more and more of that expression so that we have this big heart that just appreciates the genius of God that he did not make us all alike. That's genius. And the beauty of Jesus is he could take so many different people and unite them all together under one banner, which shows how great Jesus is and how awesome Jesus is. Because no world, lead, no world leader can do that. Only Jesus is awesome enough to pull every nation, tribe, tongue, and language together and have us all love each other as we love him. So I want to pray that we continue to be blessed. But how many of you know we need wisdom in this hour so that when we leave here today, we're going out into all of our different communities where we call home, but we're bringing answers and solutions and we're loving people and we're showing what the kingdom of God looks like. Amen? So I just want to say you guys are doing a great job this morning of looking like heaven. All right? You really are. It's beautiful. We've got all different folks from all different ethnicities all worshiping Jesus in unity. Only God can do that. So, Lord, thank you, first of all, for these precious people. Thank you as we give now that, that we are blessed and highly favored of the Lord, that all of our needs are met because you're a good, good father. And, Lord, we, we pray for what's going on now in Charlottesville, Virginia. God, for the hatred, the bigotry, the, the, the anger, all that's happening, Lord, the violence. God, we pray that that situation would be diffused. God, we pray that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in that region would, would rise up with solutions and answers and preach the gospel. We pray that people that are so angry and so full of hate for others, Lord, that, that you would encounter them. And Lord, we pray for racial issues and tensions right here in Lake County, that you would help us as the body of Christ to model what it looks like on how people can get together have picnics, celebrate birthdays, baptisms, marriages, weddings, funerals, all of all the spectrum of life. And Lord, that color would not be something that separates us. It would be something that draws us all together as we love Jesus together. So Lord, we pray for America. Send revival to our nation, God. We are in desperate need of you, and we cry out for you now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Let's go ahead and worship the Lord in our giving. Again, do we have, a, is the PowerPoint up and running, or are folks going to have to work hard this morning? We're good to go? All right, well, I still want you to work hard this morning. Um, get your Bibles open to Colossians chapter 3. Um, we had a little break there. We had Chad Cochran and his precious family from Thailand. We shared a couple weeks ago. Last week was Youth Sunday, and we had a little break from the series. But I want to continue this series up through the end of August and then we're going to be doing a brand new series in September that I really want to equip you to invite your neighbors and your friends and people in the community to come out because it's going to be a, a major outreach-focused series that we're doing called Epic. And I'll be sharing more about that next Sunday. But Colossians chapter 3, get your Bibles open or get your phone app open or whatever, your iPad or whatever you're using to, to get into God's Word. But follow along with me because I want to give you some good Scripture. Last time we were together, I was telling you that the end goal of our journey as campers on this earth, that we're just passing through, travel lightly, 
that we're heading to a wedding. And the wedding that I told you about was none other than your wedding. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's when we will be gathered together with Jesus Christ, our bridegroom king. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a party. And we're going to enjoy absolute, perfect intimacy with Christ, intimacy with his people forever and ever and ever. And I told you that this world, this life, is just a test. I loved Andrew's message today. It was a perfect lead-in. If we're being prepared to be the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, how many of you know everything that, that we face in this life is designed for that ultimate purpose? It's not for you and I to beautify our tents. We're not focusing on the external. We're not even focusing on this tent, which is fading away. I share with you, take good care of your body. You want to live as long as you can. You want to make the biggest splash for Jesus as you possibly can. But don't worship your body. Uh, Don't worship this tent. Trust me, we're all getting an upgrade. Amen? It also said, don't get all bent out of shape about material things. Oh my gosh, we need a new roof. So what? Get a new roof. Uh, If you can't get one this year, get it next year. Who cares? It's not, don't get all bent out of shape about your stuff. This is a bridal chamber. We are preparing us to meet Jesus. And how many of you have figured out, it's what's on the inside, Jesus says, that really matters. It's not your cool hairdo. Some of you should take comfort in this this morning, all right? It's not whether or not you got a few wrinkles or you're getting older or, or it hurts when you get out of bed in the morning. You're getting an upgrade. Chill out. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about what are you looking like on the inside? Is there a beauty, a Christ-likeness that's being formed in you that is, is making you fit for your bridegroom, Jesus Christ? Or is he going to look at you like someone who just rolled out of bed, you got bedhead, your breath, you know, kills people and slays them in the spirit, and you're coming up, Jesus, I made it. And he's like, yes, you did, but that wasn't quite what I had in mind, all right? Um, He wants to look at you and I and be ravished by the beauty that's coming off of our hearts and spirits, the Christ-likeness. So everything in this world is a bridal chamber. It's getting you ready for the big day. How many of you know God holds us responsible? He says that the bride is to make herself ready. He expects us to be pursuing holiness, to be pursuing Christ-likeness, to want to make our lives look as much like Jesus Christ as possible before we meet him face-to-face. Anybody else committed to that besides me? I am committed to that. I want to be intentional about that. And so I want us to look here, Colossians chapter 3. Today I want to talk about another perspective that helps us as happy campers, all right? I want to read the first four verses, but I want to focus on one verse a week for the next three or four weeks here. It says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life, everybody say real life. I love that phrase, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. What an amazing promise. I'm just going to look at verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. I want you to notice that word since. That's an important word. 
when you get to chapter 3 in the book of Colossians, the sense is meaning, since everything that I've just shared in the previous two chapters is true about who you are and what God's done on your behalf, since that is true, now he's getting into the practical applications of how he wants us to live our lives in light of some really good theology. How many know theology is important? Because theology simply means theos, God, ology, the study of. It's the knowledge or study of God. There's no more important knowledge than you and I can possess in all of our lives than the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God will transform the way you live and think. It will change your perspective. The knowledge of God is important. And I'll just say this. Every one of us in this room is a theologian. Some of you have maybe looked looked at yourself as a theologian. You are. The question is not whether you're a theologian. The question is whether you're a good one or not. Because God holds us accountable, responsible for our knowledge of him. In fact, the Bible says, for lack of knowledge, God's people perish. How many of you know God wants us to be good theologians? doesn't mean you have to study Greek and Hebrew and all that kind of stuff, but it means God wants you to be pursuing the knowledge of him. It's that important. So... Here's the sense. It's, a, it's, a, it's we're coming in. Paul's saying, I want you to understand, since these things are true, now this is the way I want you to live. So it's a powerful reminder of our union with Christ that takes place right here. Because look what it says. Since you have been raised to new life. And if you're taking notes, write down this phrase, with Christ or in Christ. You know, last week, Pastor Aaron preached on the vine and the branches, on how when the vine is attached to the branches, that there's fruit that's produced. Jesus said over and over phrases like this, right? Abide in me and let my words abide in you and you'll have much fruit, you'll bear much fruit. There's a union that takes place when we're born again that changes everything about everything. Let me give you some examples here. There's like hundreds of references. I'm not going to cover hundreds of them today, but let me just give you a quick overview. Ephesians 2.10 says we've been created in Christ. Galatians 2.20, we're crucified with Christ or in him. Colossians 2.12, we're buried with Christ. We're also baptized into Christ in his death. Romans chapter 6, we're united with Christ in his resurrection. We're seated with Christ right now in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2, Christ is formed in believers. Galatians 4.19, Christ dwells in my heart and your heart. Ephesians 3.17, The church is the actual body of Christ. He's the head. We're the body. There's a union there that's powerful. Colossians 2 talks about Christ in us. 1 Corinthians 1 says we're in him. Christ in us. We're in him. The church is one flesh with Christ. Ephesians chapter 5. You get the message here over and over and over again. The Bible describes this profound reality that's taken place when you and I are supernaturally born again by the Holy Spirit and a unity takes place between Jesus and you. And this unity, if I could, if I could give you some illustrations, you know, God wants to teach us and remind us of these things. How many of you have been water baptized, immersed in water? Wave at me. What happened there? What is God trying to communicate to us? The Bible says we are buried with him, immersed When you go under the water, there is not one part of your body that is not being touched by water. There's not one part of this physical being that is not one with the water. We're buried with Christ. That is a picture of the union between you and him. Even as he died on the cross and shed his blood, we die with him. We're buried. 
What happens next? Well, he didn't stay under the water, thank God, or we'd have a lot of dead people, all right? They'd be dragging their corpses out. How many of you are grateful when you're baptized that there is a resurrection that actually took place? Because whoever buries you pulls you back out of the water. Hallelujah! It's a picture that we're not going to stay dead, that we leave the old nature on the bottom of that stinky water. The water's not stinky, but the old nature is, all right? We pull you out. And it's a picture of your resurrection life with Christ, that you are now alive, resurrection, a new you exists. Isn't that awesome? What happens when we take communion every week? This is powerful. You eat that cracker and you drink that juice, and in the physical, what happens? It goes down in your belly, and your digestive juices start working on that. And here's the radical thing. That communion you just ate becomes part and parcel of who you are. You can't separate what you just ate in communion from you. You're now one. When you drink that cup representing the shed blood of Jesus, and you eat that cracker representing his body, and it goes inside of you, it is a picture, physical reminder, that you cannot be separated from your union with Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever felt lonely? It's a lie. How many of you have ever felt abandoned? It's a lie. How many of you have ever felt like Christ didn't know what was going on in your life? It's a lie. You are in union with Christ, which means every single thing Jesus did in his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his coming back, every single thing that he did on our behalf, we are now in union with every part of that act. We died. We resurrected. We ascended. We're seated in heavenly places. We're living life and ruling and reigning with Christ now because of the virtue of what he did for us on the cross. This is amazing. Now, most of us, we don't dwell on this, myself included. I was, I was letting this message minister to me this week because I got to fight the same stuff you got to fight every week. How many you know pastors don't get like a get-out-of-jail-free card? Everything you go through, we got to go through. Everything we preach, we got to live it first or else our message is like, wah, 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 Charlie Brown school teacher. There's no anointing. So I have to live it first before I can preach it, unless I'm a hypocrite, in which case I shouldn't be your pastor. I should get out of here. I have to fight to live this. So when the Bible says, set your mind and your heart on things above, I need to apply that to my life, just like I'm encouraging you to apply it to your life. So I want to give you some identity changes that need to happen as a result of our union with Jesus Christ this morning. First point I want to make is that you and I are now resurrected with Christ. The Bible says, since you have been raised. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Paul hits the same thing in Ephesians 2. I want to read that one. It says this, For he raised us, God raised us from the dead along with Christ. And check this out. And seated us, past tense, with him in heavenly realms. Why did he do this? Look at this. Because we are united with Christ Jesus. Now if I asked you, where are you sitting right now? Some of you would erroneously say, in Crown Point, Indiana, at Livingstone's Church, in the main sanctuary. No, you aren't. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus from a position of authority and power and rulership. That's where you're seated. Your body happens to be here, but the reality of the situation is God sees you sitting somewhere else. And check this out. You can either sit down here with us peons, or you can go 
to the right hand of the Father and look at your life and look at your circumstances and look at your situation from a God's eye perspective, or you can just be down here with the rest of us chickens pecking at the dirt. Poor me. Pecking around, trying to find something. Stop pecking around, acting like a chicken. You're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. It changes how we view life. Andrew's communion message was a perfect example. Oh my gosh, I'm going through so many trials. No, God's setting you up for a promotion. You can't see the promotion when you're all surrounded by trials. But when you're seated in heavenly places, resurrected with Christ at the Father's right hand, it changes, it gives you a vantage point. It's really unfair that we get this advantage to life. Everybody else is just fear, unbelief, struggle. Oh, woe is me, victim. Oh, stop it. Christians should not be acting that way. Get your seat where you belong, next to the Father, right next to the Son, sharing in His ascension, sharing in His resurrection, and looking at life differently because you're a happy camper. That's my message. That's the reality. In Christ, we're justified. God has declared us righteous. This is great news. We're glorified. There's a resurrection coming. There's a second coming coming that is going to be stunning, and it's, it's part of our inheritance. We're sanctified. God is transforming us into the image and nature of Jesus. We've been called. We're going to get into that in the next series. We've been made alive. We've been made, we've been made anew. We've been adopted into the family of God, and he's a good, good daddy. We've been elect from the foundation, before the foundation of the world. God says, this is all who we are in Christ Jesus. We've got to meditate on these things because it changes the way you deal with the daily grind of life, and it's so important. How many of you know when God raised his son from the dead, he broke the power of sin and death? Which means this, uh, every single obstacle to our relationship of intimacy with God and our victory in this life has already been defeated by Jesus by virtue of his powerful resurrection from the dead. Which let me apply this to us. There are no victims in the church. Jesus conquered everything. There's no outside forces holding you down, keeping you back. Moms, dads, uncles, brothers. Listen, people can ding you up along the way, but the resurrection power of Christ has the power and authority to pull you out of whatever death, darkness, disease, demon, whatever situation has you down. The resurrection power of God lifts you out of all those things. I mean, you know, Jesus conquered everything in his resurrection. And listen... You and I have been resurrected with him because we're in union with him. If I put a glass of water up here and I started dropping some tea bags in there and I let it sit here the entire service, by the end of this message, I throw those tea bags away and I would have a picture of your union with Christ. I would not be able to separate that tea that was in those bags from that water because I now have a new entity. Are you with me? We are the iced tea of the kingdom of God right here. Christ wants to possess you fully so that you and him 
are united so much so. He says, nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing can stop my purposes in your life. Nothing is greater than my intentions for you. Trust me. Believe me in the midst of the trials and circumstances that I'm greater than this and that I love you and I'm for you. In fact, the, the, the testimony of Scripture, if God Almighty be for you, who can be against you? We got all that from our union with Christ on the virtue of his powerful resurrection. I am not a victim any longer. My life is unified with Jesus. Nothing stops God's intent for my life. I'm looking at life now and struggles and trials and lack and this and that. And I'm saying, Jesus, none of this keeps me from your purposes. This is all refining me for greater glory. This is all preparing me for more. How many of you believe this? This is awesome stuff. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. But I want you to see this. Second point I want to lay out here this morning. Not only are we resurrected with Christ, the Bible says we reign with Christ right now. Ephesians 2.6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And check this out. Seated us with him. In heavenly realms, because we're united with Christ. Look what Paul prayed, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. Paul says, I pray that you, church, you guys, us, that we would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. Notice, who believe him? This is the challenge for us this morning, is in the midst of obstacles and trials and stuff that this camper's life is full of, that we will choose to believe God that what he said is true. And he's not a respecter of persons. Do you know that the power of God here, it says that the power of God, his incredible greatness, which, don't you love that last song that we sung? I love singing about how awesome God is. Because when I sing about how awesome God is, I forget about how small I am. When I sing about how powerful God is, I forget about my lack and my need. Does this make sense to anybody? We need to celebrate the greatness of our God because, listen, we're in union with that greatness. We're in union. Now, here's the sad thing, though. We could have 220 coming out of the outlet over here, all the power we need to run whatever, but if you don't plug into it and access it, all that power is sitting there, and you get nothing. If I could show you an offering message this morning, I could have two glasses sitting right here, one glass uh, turned up open, the other glass turned upside down. If I took a pitcher of water and poured it out on those glasses, which glass is getting blessed? Both. Which glass is receiving the blessing? The one open to it. Listen, God's not playing favorites. God is no respecter of persons. God's not picking on you or punishing you or whatever. The same promises that are yes and amen in Christ are ours by virtue of union with Christ. Did you hear that? The promises God laid out for Jesus, the Son, are my inheritance. Why? Because I'm united with him in covenant union that is inseparable. That's my relationship with God. I'm seated, the Bible says, in heavenly places. Now check this out. This same mighty power that God, that raised Christ from the dead seated him at the place of honor at the Father's right hand in heavenly realms. Now listen to this. Oh, I love this. 
Jesus is now far above any ruler, far above any authority, far above any power, far above any leader or anything else, far above, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things, everybody say all things, all things under the authority of Christ and placed Jesus as the head of Livingstone's church, and check this out, placed him as the head over all things for the benefit of the church. The exaltation of Jesus on our behalf is our exaltation. We're seated in heavenly places with him. Why? So that God could bless his people. Ah, I feel so privileged to be a son this morning. I feel so privileged that God has set his affection upon us that he's called us, adopted us to be his own. This is his doing, not mine. This is his union, not mine. I didn't create this. This is his doing. It's because of his great love for us. It's amazing. It's stunning. It's the good news of the gospel. But here's the deal. Since Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, given all authority to subdue all of his enemies, the Bible says basically this, that we are kings and queens in training. Last week or a couple weeks ago, I told you you were a bride, which is true. I'm going to give you another identity this morning. You're a king and you're a queen. You're one of those two. You're being trained in this life to know how to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. This is pretty stunning. It requires training. The verse I love in the Bible says Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. How many of you know when it says Jesus learned obedience, it doesn't mean that Jesus was disobedient and then he figured out how to be obedient. That's not, of course, what it means. Jesus was sinless. But what it means is this, it's one thing to have a theoretical, theological, philosophical understanding of something, it's a whole other thing to know how to live it out. Jesus learned obedience, that means that when he was tempted in every way, just like us, he knew how to say no to sin and to walk in a way that pleased his heavenly father every second of every moment of every day. That's why we worship him, he's amazing. He learned obedience through the things he suffered, because in the midst of his suffering, he kept choosing to honor God. How many of you know, we can sit in church all we want, we can memorize all these verses, stuff like that, but here's the deal, Monday's coming. I know I'm going to get worse than that. Sunday afternoon's coming. Some of us won't make it till Monday. (laughs) But here's my question. Have you been resurrected with Christ? Does the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you? Is God for you or against you? Are you seated this morning in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus looking down on earth or are you down in the midst of all the other chickens trying to eke out your existence? How's your perspective? Are you believing that what we're reading this morning is available for you or are you a special exemption to God's plan of redemption? You know, I hear people do this thing all the time. Well, I know that's true, but, but you know, you, God doesn't know my circumstances. Oh, great, you're the one exception to God's incredible plan. Are you kidding me? You really think that much of your own self and your own problems. Come on. God's bigger than you. He's bigger than your problems. In fact, as I'm going to show you next, they're very minor in comparison to who he is. We're going to reign forever and ever with Christ. This is Revelations chapter 22, which lets me bring up a real practical point. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says something pretty radical. He chews out the church. 
there were people in the church suing each other. Y'all remember that? Remember the, the Holy Ghost charismatic church in Corinth that was so full of the gifts of the Spirit, and they're running around in carnality suing each other. And Paul preached an unpopular message. He said, why are you acting like a bunch of pagans? And this is what he said. I want you to hear this. He said, someday you're going to rule the earth. Isn't there somebody, for God's sake, in your church with enough wisdom and grace to navigate, help you navigate through the relational fallout? I'm going to give you something else he said. You ready for this one? If, you, if you're the one that's been defrauded, why don't you just suck it up and give it to God? Take the hit. That's what the Bible says. Take the hit. No. I'm going to make that person pay. I'm going to get every cent that that person owes me. Let me just say two things here. First of all, if you're in the marketplace or you're in business dealings with people, God forbid that you would defraud your brother or sister in this place from what's theirs. God forbid. Let me just tell you something. One of the strongest arguments for the existence of God is the fact that every single one of us knows when injustice has taken place. And we go, here's what we say, that's not fair. Even when someone cuts you off or you thought you got to the stop sign first. I mean, I had somebody that like herniated a disc flipping the bird at me at a four-way stop because they obviously perceived the situation differently. I mean, their veins were popping out of their neck. And I'm like, seriously, I will back up and restop because I don't want you to die because injustice has happened and you can't handle it, man. I want to pull up and say, do you know that what you're experiencing right now is a sign that God's real? And listen, the reason that it's real is how did we evolve a sense of justice? What piece of dirt created that? The reason you feel defrauded and wrong and this is not fair and life's not fair and there's not a one of us in this room that hasn't felt that, am I right? The reason you feel that is because it points to the fact that true justice exists. And that God is a God of perfect justice. And listen to me, God is going to fix it all in the end. This is camper life. You're not home. You're going to a place where how you respond to injustice now is going to set you up for blessing forever. So the person who's defrauded of thousands of dollars, this is one option. Lord, I could sue the pants off these people. In fact, they go to church with me. Or they're my brother or sister in the Lord. I could sue the pants off of these people. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to offer up the injustice on the altar of mercy and forgiveness. And I'm going to give it to you and trust that you're the God who vindicates not only in the next life, but now. 
And rather than try to squeeze it out of my brother or sister who defrauded me, I'm going to believe that as I yield to the Lord and live a life with my hands wide open, God is able to more than take care of me because I'm in union with him. Which one prepares you for the wedding better? You remember those two guys? They actually, if, you know, if you're going to have those moments when you look back and go, what was I thinking? Those two guys that were fighting over the inheritance in the Bible, remember that? They came up, Jesus, Jesus, I wanted grandma's clock. And he's taking grandma's clock. And Jesus looks at him and says, what is the matter with you? Do you think I care? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose your soul over grandma's clock? Check it out. You're going to a place where there's no clocks. But you're going to kill your aunt or your uncle or your brother or your sister because you wanted the clock. Give it up. You will have no need of it in the next life. God is more concerned with your heart. He's more concerned with you passing the test. He's more concerned with you acting like a son, which is amazing because when we think of ruling and reigning with Christ, Philippians 2 tells us how he did it. He humbled himself. He went low. He took it on himself. Talk about injustice. Who got more injustice than Jesus in his holy, righteous, perfect life? Who endured more scornful, bigotry, hatred, injustice? And what did he do? He went low. And God exalted him to the highest place. You know what? We're, I can't wait till we're on the other side. And Jesus is pulling the family together. And he's showing the highlight reel. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the highlight reel? ESPN has their top ten plays of the week. I think heaven's going to have... Let me just show you the top ten plays of... August the 12th or 13th or wherever we at. Check this out. Look at this injustice. How many of you saw the picture of the black police officer defending the rights of white supremacists to have free speech? A black police officer doing his job, operating in integrity, and defending the rights of the very people who are racist and probably want to kill him. That is such a picture of the grace and mercy of God. God is going to reward that forever. Let's pass some tests. God's saying, for crying out loud, you're going to judge angels, and you're suing your brother and sister in Christ. you got unforgiveness towards your brother and sister. You're going to be running the place. Can you guys please up your game? You know, it's an honorable thing to eat injustice. You know what? It's an honorable thing. The Bible says, for the sake of your integrity... It's worth thousands of dollars. Your integrity is. So here's what great faith does. It doesn't mean you shouldn't stand up for rights at times. It doesn't mean we don't fight injustice. That's not my message. My message is this, though. It's especially hard when your brothers and sisters are sometimes the one defrauding you. So I I, want to say this. If there's anybody in this room that owes another brother or sister in this room money, would you please take care of it now so you're not being exposed on the great day when the just one clears all the balances and exposes the right and the wrong? I mean, you know, our relationships in here should be impeccable. And our relationship with unsafe people should be impeccable. So it means if the job's costing you more than you thought, 
you either keep your word and eat it, or you break your word to make sure you're looking out for yourself. I mean, I'm just being real here today. People that will live like happy campers will be people that will be not only blessed in this life, but in the life to come, where it really matters, forever matters. And let me end with this. This is my favorite part. I get to sit in this chair. <laughs> Some of you are wondering, what is that chair? <laughs> Light bulb, check it out. <laughs> I'm feeling really good right now. None of you got one of these. Actually, you do have one of these. Let me tell you what this is. This is called a footstool. It's a fancy footstool, but it's a footstool. Here's my last point. I'm going to get this one sitting down chilling. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, God the Father speaking to God the Son, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Isaiah 66, verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. This is the picture I want you guys to get this morning. It's going to set some of you free. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. What does that make the earth? It makes it a footstool earth. You know why it's a footstool? Because God can't put the full weight of his glory on the footstool. It can't contain it. He can just rest his feet there. The world to come is so full of glory and greatness and awe and wonder and beauty that God just places his feet gently on this earth. It's a reminder of a couple of things. Number one, he's an absolute authority over planet earth. You know, we sang about good, good father this morning. I love sitting in the chair, especially when my kids were littler. And they'd all come piling on my lap. Anybody like that as a parent? I love that. All these little urchins climbing up on my lap and hugging me, and I'm just you know, kissing them and lifting them up. And, and you know what? I tried to get as many of them on my lap as I could. And you know what they would do? They'd lay their head in their dad's chest. And there's this beautiful sense that in daddy's arms, seated in that chair, what did they have to be afraid of? What did they have to worry about? Dad was, dad's not worried. He's got his legs kicked up. He's chilling out. All the babies, all the grandkids, whoever it is, they're climbing on your lap. You know what? I want you to see yourself this morning as, as is the true reality, the true condition of your life. Jesus did everything possible to unite you to himself. He's seated next to his heavenly father who's seated on a big throne, so big that the earth is so minor in comparison, so small, and just the place where he just puts the tips of his feet. And God's not stressed out about what's going on in your world. God's not worried about the challenges that we face collectively as a nation, as a church family. He's not worried about what's going on in your life. He's pretty relaxed right now. He wants you to sit on his lap. He wants you to press in close to his heart. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to be reminded of his union with you. And he wants you to trust and believe that everything that his word says is true. And here's the situation. This earth, the problems of this earth, they're footstool problems. They're not big problems. They're footstool problems. The challenges that you're facing, they're footstool challenges. What does God want us to do? He wants us to learn to see things from his perspective. 
putting your foot on something is a sign of authority. Remember when the children of Israel went in the promised land, God said every place that your foot treads, I've given it to you. It didn't look like God had given it to them. There were big giants in the land that didn't seem to want to give up the land. But God told them something differently. He said, when, when you walk there, just, just be cognizant of this. Where you put your feet, I've given it to you. Let me ask you this question. How many of you think America right now is in bad place? Got lots of problems. Our, our fabric is starting to unravel. Our social fabric, violence breaking out. These are all signs. You know, I just read in my devotions this morning that when God blessed a king for looking to him, he blessed them with peace on the land. How many of you know when we see a lack of peace in our land, it's because the blessing of God is lifted from our land because God's grieved over the hatred, bitterness, sexual perversion, anger, injustice, racism. The list goes on and on and on. But here's my question to you. How many of you believe that if God wants to rule and reign on planet Earth through his church, then the only way we learn how to be seated with Christ in heavenly places and walk in resurrection power is if God puts us in some storms. How many of you know you can't put your foot on a problem or on a situation until you've been in the swirl? Anybody ever been in the swirl where you're depressed, you're discouraged, you're fearful, the things of your life seem to be overwhelming you, and you feel like your head's going under the water and all of a sudden, in the midst of that, you get your eyes on the Word of God. You spend time in the presence of God. You get with the people of God. And all of a sudden, equilibrium starts coming back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you felt like a wave of depression, wave of discouragement, and you're feeling like, I'm going under. And you cry out to the Lord, and the nearness of God and the resources of God come and lift you up. How many of you know when the disciples were going across the lake, and the storm shows up, right? Jesus is chilling out, walking, walking on the water. And how many of you know that was a memory that those guys will never, ever forget? Because Jesus spoke to the storm, and everything was still. And those guys are probably still talking about it. Do you remember when? Wow, that was awesome. How many of you have found this to be true? Your greatest moments of victory in the kingdom of God came from your greatest trials. And then you came out on the other side. So how about this? Who, who would God raise up to speak peace in the midst of the storm except people that have learned how to sit next to Daddy, next to King Jesus, and let him reign in them in the midst of storms? Now, Jesus was the storm calmer, but guess what? You can't calm things that aren't storms in the first place. So some of you, this was such a good word, Andrew and I did not collaborate on that communion message, but and, we, and I didn't collaborate with Greg and Hannah on the worship songs. But guess what we did today? We sang about the greatness of God. We sang about him and his glory and heaven and splendor. We sang about a good, good father. Nobody greater, nobody bigger. We talked about the context of the trials of this life shaping us to rule and reign with Jesus. We talked about our union with Christ. Nothing's going to separate you ever, 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 ever from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He is absolutely committed to you and to your success. Isn't that awesome? So guess what? Now we get to leave church. And we get to go out as happy campers and to this footstool world. And part of our job is to learn to put our feet on our enemies and to declare the truth of God that we're going to walk in victory and we're going to come out on the other side. I love that passage in the Bible when they were taking over the promised land and they'd throw those wicked kings on the ground and they would come up 
when Joshua would put his foot on the neck of that king. It was a physical sign of just what I showed you, of our footstool God taking dominion over planet Earth. There's no competition that he has. And this was the beauty. And one of those stories, I couldn't remember the exact one, but one of those kings brought up his sons who were young. They were like elementary school age probably. And he said to them, you put your foot on this king's neck. And those boys were afraid because that was a big bad king, wicked king, mean king that could hurt them. But dad, dad had his foot on that king's neck. And he said, oh no, you come up here. I want you to try this. I can imagine those boys coming up and putting their foot on that enemy's neck. And what was the dad trying to teach them? My victory is your victory. Our God is your God. His enemies are our enemies. And my victory is your victory. And just like dad has learned to rule and reign with Christ, I'm showing you what it looks like because my job as a dad is to teach you how to rule and reign in this life with Christ. In fact, that's what Romans says. In this life, we rule and reign with Christ. We're victorious. We're overcomers. I don't know what you're going through right now, but here's the word. Put your feet on it. Some of you, some of you need to get up here and sit in that chair, or you need to go home this afternoon, not as, not as an act of uh, relaxation, but as an act of faith. Now, I go home and kick my feet up, and I relax. That's okay. God's for relaxation. But I want you to go home. This is what I want you to do. Lord, I have surrendered my life to you. Jesus, you, you are my bridegroom king. I'm in union with you. And I'm going to sit down, and I'm lifting my feet. And this is Sunday morning. We've worshiped. We've given. We've heard the word. We've, we've given our op- a sacrifice of praise. Now, I'm going to put my feet up, and I'm going to look at this week, and I'm going to realize I'm a victor. I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm united with God. I'm going to look down on my situation and challenges. I'm going to lay them at your feet, and I'm going to move into this week in victory. Every one of you should do that on Sunday to get you ready for Monday. And as you're sitting there, just put your head back. Lay it in Daddy's chest so you can hear his heartbeat and remind yourself you're not alone. And meditate on the greatness of God. And let your heart be filled with excitement and hope as you face the challenges that are before us. And let me just tell you, there's, a sh- there's shakings coming. The Bible talks about them. God says everything that could be shaken is going to be shaken before he comes. That doesn't mean we're going to be shaken. We're in union with the unshakable one. You with me? But you learn to stand in the midst of the storm. Some of you are in storms right now. We want to pray for you, right? Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you this morning. Can everybody just do this with me? Put your hands together nice and tight like this. This is just a physical picture of how close you and Jesus are. In fact, it's, it, it's a bond that can't be broken. We can pull our hands apart if somebody rips on them. But this is a, a bond. This is how tight you and Christ are. He, he is absolutely committed to you, and he loves you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Lord, we stand in covenant faithfulness today. God, that you're so big and so powerful, you love us so much, and you have defeated every enemy that would keep us from becoming all that you intend for us to become. Lord, we embrace this life, we embrace the challenges, we embrace whatever's before us right now, but Lord, we do it from the high place looking down. We do it with our feet kicked up on our footstool. We do it, Lord, reminding ourselves that this is an opportunity for promotion not for anything to harm us or hurt us or set us back. It's an opportunity 
for promotion. God, help us pass the test this week. Help us to stand on the necks of our enemies and your enemies. Help us to love and serve and go low and do whatever it takes for Jesus to be magnified in our lives. We love you. We honor you. We give you praise now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said.